So as we're going to get going here, man, real quick, my name's Chris. Like I say, um, listen, I, I, I get ratcheted up pretty quick, right? That's what I've been told. It's like, man, you ratchet up pretty fast and you don't really come down. And uh, man, I've even been told, hey, can you not ratchet up so fast? And uh, man, here's my response. I don't, I can't. <laughs> like, I'm just going <laughs> to, I just ratchet up, man. Here's the thing. Like, the Lord has saved me from a bunch of stuff. Man, and he's restored a bunch of broken things in my life. And so when I get rolling, it comes out, right? And so I'm not angry. <laughs> I'm not mad. Man, I'm in love with my Savior. And so I'll ratchet up real fast, <laughs> you know, and I probably won't ratchet back down until it's over with. Is that cool? Yeah. All right. <laughs> so... <laughs> All right, let's get into Ephesians. What do you say? So here we go. We're going to be in Ephesians 3.1. All right. Ephesians 3.1. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. All right. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. Let's stop into this verse. Okay. Paul's saying a couple things. He's like, listen, because of this reason and because of the Gentiles, I'm sitting here in prison. All right. You may be looking at that and you're like, what does that matter to me? And here's what I would say. That unless you come from the Jewish descent, you are a Gentile. So everyone in this room, unless you came from the Jewish descent, you are a Gentile. And Paul says, for your sake, because of you, I'm going to sit in prison right? He goes one step further and he says, for this reason, I sit in prison for you. And so before we start unpacking chapter three, man, we got to go back a little bit and we got to say, what is this reason? Like, why is Paul in prison right now? And why more so is he in prison for you? Why is he in prison for me? And so I'm just going to take you there. All right. We're going to visit their town. This won't be on the screen, but I'm going to read this to you. Okay. This is the reason that Paul got arrested. We're going to be in Acts 21, verse 27. It says, when the seven days were nearly over, some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul at the temple. They stirred up the whole crowd and seized him, shouting, fellow Israelites, help us. This is the man who teaches us everyone everywhere against our people and our law in this place. And besides, he has brought Greeks into the temple and defiled his holy place. The whole city was aroused and the people came running from all directions. Seizing Paul, they dragged him from the temple and immediately the gates were shut. While they were trying to kill him, news reached the commander of the Roman troops that the whole city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. He at once took some officers and soldiers and ran down to the crowd. When the rioters saw the commander and his soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. The commander came up and he arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. Then he asked who he was, and what he had done. Some in the crowd shouted one thing, some another. And since the commander could not get the truth because of the uproar, he ordered that Paul be taken into the barracks. When Paul reached the steps, the violence of the mob was so great, he had to be carried by the soldiers. The crowd that followed kept shouting, get rid of him. All right? So let's just pause on this for a minute. What did Paul do? That incited all of Jerusalem towards him. Okay? And so for you to understand this, i got to take you further into their town. All right? 
If you're unfamiliar with the temple, I've got to encourage you to start learning a little bit about it. We're going to put a picture of up on the screen for you so that we can bring you there. All right? So if you look at this, this is the temple. This is the place that God would meet with them once a year. It was the most holy of holy places. To this day, we still fight over that land. All right? Now, if you notice where those arrows are, that's a little wall there. It's called the Soreg Wall, S-O-R-E-G. It was designed to keep you out. All right? Like, that's what it was designed to do. It was designed to keep you out of there. And in fact, they uncovered this wall. In the 1800s, they found a picture of the wall. This was written on the side of it. If you're not a Jew, you cross this line, you can expect death. Right? And so in this, Paul is accused of bringing somebody across that wall. Like, that's the story. Like, Paul is accused of bringing somebody across that wall. The wall that was meant to keep Gentiles away from the Lord. Does it make sense? Now, let me bring you down just even further. Here's how this thing works out. The Jews sit here. And they stare across the wall and they look at the Romans or they look at whoever the Gentile is over there. And they're like, you don't even pursue righteousness. Like you don't even try. Like you, you, you live in a house full of idols. Like you love everything but God. You're, you're addicted to your sports. You're addicted to your pornea. You're addicted to um, your TV. Like you're not even trying. And so stay away. Right? Make sense? Now, let me tell you what the, what the Gentiles were doing. The Gentiles were on the other side, and here's what they would say. They would say, man, you do all of your rituals. You do all of these ceremonies. You have all of these festivals, but there's no power in you. Like, there's no power in you, your life, your God. In fact, we own you. Like, you're under our oppression. Like, if you're so great, how come do we own you? And where is the power at in your life? And this is the wall. They went back and forth with it. And so Paul's thrown in prison because he's accused of bringing somebody across it. He's accused of being a Jew who grabbed a Gentile and took them across it. Does this make sense? Now hold that in your pocket while we read through Ephesians 2. Verse 11, Paul's in prison. Remember, he just about got beat up so badly they had to carry him into the barracks. Verse 11 says, Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, remember that at that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in this world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So he's talking to him. Now, let me tell you how this plays out. If you're Jews and you hear this letter, you're covering your ears, right? Because here's what they're saying. Listen, all of our lives for centuries, decades, whoever, who knows how long we've been trying to follow this. We've been trying to live our lives with righteousness and be part of the Ten Commandments. Like We've been at least trying to pursue righteousness, You on the other side, the Gentiles have not even been trying. Like you've not even given it a shot. But what does Jesus say to them? He says, listen, because of me, both of you, those who are once far away and those who are both near have been brought into unity. And so the guys who are like this close, 
living it out as best as they knew how. They were this close. They still didn't make it, right? This is a picture of you trying to live your life and be good enough. You just don't make it, right? The Gentiles on their side who aren't even giving it a shot, Jesus says, listen, I don't care how far you away because I've come. Both you and them are now one, all right? And so we track down just a little bit further, and he says, 14, it says, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in his body to reconcile through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Andrew touched on this last week. He said this thing is twofold. He said it was the hostility between you and I and the hostility between him. And it says that the Lord killed them both through what? Through his flesh, right? Now here's the big picture. The Jews don't want to hear this. They're like, we don't want to hear it. You guys are not heirs to the kingdom. But I want you to take, I'm going to take you just a little bit further into this. I want you to hear what Jesus prays. Put yourself in Jesus, man. He's sitting in the garden, fixing to go to the cross. And he prays for everyone that would confess his name as Lord, not believe in him. Everyone believes in him. He's talking about the ones who would confess him as Lord. And this is what he says, 20. My prayer is not for them alone. Talking about his apostles. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and you have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. The glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them. And that I myself may be in them. Before Jesus ever went to the cross... He saw this coming. He saw it coming. And his prayer is that for you and for me, that man, that the world would look at us and that they would know that Jesus came because of the way that you and I walk. Like that's what he's saying here. He's saying, listen, he goes, I have given them the glory. He's talking about you. Now, this isn't not just your regular glory. Like in our minds, we're like, well, glory must mean that he saved me from my sins and called me into this new life. Absolutely. It also gave you the power to walk over your sin. Like if Jesus came to kill death, then he came to kill sin. And it means that you can walk over your sin like you will defeat it. Like if Jesus is Lord of your life, he has access to every part of your life. And that means that you can be conformed into the image of Christ in those areas in your life. 
If you choose to continue in your sin, if you can choose to walk in your pornography, if you choose to walk in um, adultery, if you choose to walk in lying and cheating and stealing, and you're just like, man, I can't get over this because I'm just going to have to deal with this until death comes for me because I just can't beat it. Then what you say, and I would say, say this out loud, is that death is now your savior. And the last time I checked, Jesus came to kill that and make you his, right? Death cannot be your savior if you've been clothed in the righteousness of God. He says, I've given you this glorious grace that you will defeat these things and the world will know you because you can, right? And this was his prayer. Like, this is what he was asking. He's like, Father, I already see it. Let's finish this thing on the cross. Let's finish it. So that they may be in me as I am in them and that they will understand unity and oneness in the body of Christ. Like they will get this. Does this make sense? And so we track down just a little bit further into Ephesians. And it says, for he came and he preached peace to you. You who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we have both access to the father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So let's just pause on that for a second. He says, listen, this is your calling that I live in you. Like the creator of the universe now comes to live in you. And not only am I going to live in you, but I'm going to join you together. And I'm not some feeble architect that just throws stones together. I am the master architect and I will build up for myself a house holy and set apart, built on the truth of the apostles and the prophets with my son being the cornerstone. And they will know you by this. Like they will know you. Like they will walk in the room and they will say, how in the world do you get along like this? Now, here's my question and here's my heart. Like, like if the Lord destroyed the Soreg wall, why do we keep building it back? Like, why do we keep building it back? Like, I don't understand this in my head. Like, I'm like, why is the church so segregated? I, I don't get it. But here's, but here's what I would say. And I've got a guy who walks with me and he says, Chris, quit working on what's broken and start working on a step that would usher something new in. Like these guys, like, like when they understood that there was no Greek, Jew, Gentile, what have you, they called themselves the third race. Like they totally got this. Like they totally understood it. And they understood that they were being built together. Like in our lives, there is no black, white, green, Jew, heavier. It's, it's not like that. The reason Ferguson happens is because they don't understand this. Like we are called to be one and we are called in this when we know Jesus is our savior. And he's like, the moment that you do, the moment that you put Christ on, man, you are called to walk with in humility with one another. You want to know who your brother and sister are? If they put Christ on, they are right beside you. They are right beside you. And in my heart, man, I'm like, Lord, how do we continue to build walls when Paul sits in prison for this and says this thing is over? And I'm telling you, I don't have the answer for it. But I do know it's wrecked me. 
Like, I, ca- I cannot know this and not try to pursue something with it. There is no Hispanic or African-American or white. It doesn't work that way in the body of Christ. Like, we are all one. And so why do we segregate churches? And I got a thousand reasons, but at the heart of it, it's like, because we want what we want. Like, we just want what we want. But what if we didn't? I promise you, when he goes on to Ephesians 3, he's going to tell you, it's like, they look at you. They watch us. It's the way it was designed. 3.1, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, lean into this. Paul's a prisoner of Rome. Paul's a prisoner of the Jews. Does he say, I, Paul, a prisoner of Rome? I, Paul, a prisoner of the Jews? Man, this is a picture of his identity. He knows no one touches him. He knows that he walks in another realm. Like he's seen something greater. That's why it's like at the end of this, he's like, don't, don't worry about me. Like don't even care that I'm in prison because, man, I'm preaching this for your glory. He's like, there's something better coming. And it's here. And although I'm the first one and nobody wants to listen to it, I'm telling you, it's here. It has come. And I am not a prisoner of Rome. I am not a prisoner of the Jews. Let me tell you how this works out in your life. Like, you know people who walk in a different world with Jesus than you do. Like, you do. Like, you look at them and you're like, this dude, this woman, they walk in another world. Like, they understand Christ in a whole new way. Man, can I just lean on you? Track them down. Learn why. It's the way it was meant to be. Like discipleship was made to work this way. Like people who are further along in their walk, who know Christ in a different realm, man, get to know them. Chase them down. Wherever they go, follow them. We move forward. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation. As I have already written briefly, in reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God to God's holy apostles and prophets. All right? Let's read that one again. It says, in reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to people in other generations, and it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. Okay? Let's pause in this. All right? Paul's saying that before this moment, it may not have been revealed. And he's being honest. You know why? These guys were a lot smarter than you and I. They had the old, old testament memorized. And all of them knew Isaiah 48, 9. It says the Messiah would come and he would be a light to the Gentiles. And that salvation would come, but that's it. There would be no heir to the kingdom. They would not rule the nations. They would not be a holy priesthood. They would not be set apart. They would not get the promises set apart in the Old Testament for Israel. Like they would not get them. They were only going to be his people who escaped the flame just by a little bit. That's what they knew. And Paul's saying, I realize that you haven't heard about this yet. But I'm telling you, it's here. And some of you may go, well, how do we take Paul's word for this? Like, I hear this all the time. Like, let's take the Gospels and throw Paul's word out of it. Let me tell you, you start doing that, man, you are on heretical ground. Because if you don't want what Paul says, who says you get what Jonah did? 
And if you don't believe in Jonah in the, in the well for three days, who says you get Jesus? Because Jesus used the same thing. And you start picking and choosing stuff you throw out, you become very, very dangerous to the church. But I'll take it one step further. Jesus himself said in Acts 1.8, what did he say? He's talking to his apostles. And he says, listen, you will be my witnesses where? He said, in all of Judea, all of Jerusalem, and where else? All of Samaria. Samaritans were Gentiles, the worst kind. The smorgasbord of belief systems. That's why the parable of the Samaritan man who gets beat up is always, is always a hard one to take. But I'll take it even one step further. Peter's vision. You remember that one? Peter had this vision of a dream. He said a she came down from heaven and all these animals were on top of it. Now, if you know Jewish law, you know you cannot touch blood, right? Like you can't drink it. Like everything's got to be kosher. And what did the Lord say to him? He said, listen, get up and eat. Get up and kill this and eat it. And what does Peter say? He says, Lord, I will never defile myself like that. So the sheet's taken back up to heaven. It comes back down. Animals on top of it. He says, Peter, get up, kill and eat these. And Peter says, I cannot do that. I will not defile myself. And you remember what the Lord says to him? The Lord says, you listen to me real close. You do not call anything unclean that I have made clean. You condemn yourself with your past. Listen to what the Lord says to you. You do not call anything unclean that has been made clean. You condemn somebody else for their past. You do not call anything unclean that the Lord has made clean. Do you hear this? Let him who has ears, let him hear. We do not call anything unclean that the Lord has made white. We don't. It's the power of the gospel to change your life. Like all of these things in Romans when he says, man, at your worst, I still chose to die for you. And the minute that you accept this, no longer do you call yourself unclean. We track further down. The mystery is this, verse 6, is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. Listen, if you're a Jew at that time, you are covering your ears saying, heresy, heresy. But what this is, is gold for you. Because it means that everything that was written in here that Israel gets, you get. Everything. Like you get to rule over the nations. Like you're part of the millennial reign. You never die. Like you get all of this, right? You're going to live in the temple where the sunshine is not needed. And the glory of the Lord will come and he'll fill the temple. And there will be no weeping. Like you get it all. And it's gold for you, man. Like it's gold for you. And Paul saw this. And this is the way that it works. There is no Soreg wall here. The minute that we build the Soreg wall back, we go backwards from this. We go backwards. And man, in my heart, I'm like, I, when I read this, man, I had tears in my eyes. And I'm like, Lord, we're not even close. Like We're not even close. But that doesn't mean we can't inch our way there. It doesn't mean we can't inch our way there. Like if, if he revealed this truth to them, and it was painful. He can reveal his truth to us and we keep moving that way. Amen? And so we track down just a little bit further and this is what it says. I became a servant of the gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. 
Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery for which ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. So let's just walk in this for a second. First part, although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, the grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. If you don't know the boundless riches of Christ, can I just say that's okay? You will not know them all. Charles Spurgeon, man, this is about as accurate as it can be. He's like, the more your vessel is filled with Jesus, the more you sink in an ocean of grace. It's the truth, man. Like the more you know him, the more you love him. And the more you understand all he has done for us and what he has freed us from so that he can free us to something. Like you get this and you begin to say, my life is worth this. Like if my life is worth anything, it's worth this. More than KU basketball, more than K-State, it's worth this because of what he's done. And I would caution you in this. He's like, my, my role here is to, either though I'm the less of God's people, is to preach the gospel. Here's what I would say is that when you read the word, if you have a hunger for the text, then it's very possible, man, you've been called to preach the gospel to somebody. Here's what I would encourage you. Learn Romans 12 well. Learn that any gift that the Lord has given you is for his glory and for his praise. The West can mess you up. The Western church will mess you up because everything, whoever's on the stage gets accolades and glory. Listen, it was never meant to be that way. We don't ever celebrate the messenger. We celebrate the message of what Christ has done in us. We always celebrate Christ, not the messenger. Does this make sense? And so if your heart beats for this, like if you can't, if you read it and you cannot get your mind around it, you're like, I've got to know, man, tarry on. Man, the world needs more godly preachers, Right? whose hearts are centered on the affections of Jesus. Amen. We move forward. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the balanced riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. Now, here's the deal. Here's what he's saying. He's taking you back to Ephesians 1 and saying, listen, your name was known before the foundations of the earth were laid. For what reason? so that you would bring glory and honor to the Lord. He knew your name before the foundations of the earth were laid. So was the church to the Gentiles. That's how he knew your name to begin with. Paul's just bringing you back saying, this is how it works. Nothing is past him. When he created the world, he created the church. When he created the church, he created you, and he knew your name and ordained your footsteps. Like, this is how it works. And this is the power that you walk in. What sin can hold you back? And more importantly, why would you let it? Yeah. We move on. Verse 10, maybe the most powerful verse in this entire thing. It says, his intent was that now through the church. Got that? His intent was that through you, if you know Jesus, if you put him on, is that through you, the manifold wisdom of God, just means manifest, multifaceted wisdom of God, should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Jesus our Lord. 
All right. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Listen to me. There is a time people will preach this and they'll say, listen, everybody should be watching the church. The city officials, the city government, the schools, they should watch the church on how the church is supposed to move. That's not what it says. What it says is, is that we make, we make the manifold wisdom known to the rulers and authorities in where? The heavenly places. Let me give you some context for this verse. Are you familiar with Elijah? Are you familiar with Elijah? Old Testament crazy prophets. They did some crazy things. You can read about them in Kings. All right. But Elijah gets taken up to heaven. Elijah's like, he prays for his, his uh, guy that he was discipling. His name was Elijah. He puts his hands on him and he says, give him a double portion of what I had. Now, Elijah was very powerful. All right. He just made Elijah give him a double portion of it. And so one day, Elijah's comes out of his tent. The servant runs up to him and he says, man, you got to get up. The whole entire kingdom is surrounded. Like, look, Elijah, there's horses and chariots all the way around. What are we going to do? And Elijah says this. He's like, he just simply prays. He says, Lord, open the eyes of this servant. He said, and that man's eyes got open and what he saw was on every hill as far as he could see were horses and chariots with men on them with flaming swords. Like it was the, it was the armies of the angels surrounding them. Let me tell you this. If the Lord opened your eyes for you to see what was going on around you, you would freak out. Like you would freak out, man. Most of you would probably pass out. You would, you would totally freak out if you could see the spiritual realm playing out around you. Like you would freak out. Like I'm reminded of the story, man, where the dragon tried to eat the baby, the baby boy from the mom. Like that's the spiritual realm behind the nativity scene. Like it wasn't all kosher like you think. It wasn't all this angelic. There was a dragon trying to eat the boy. I'm telling you, it would freak you out. Now, here's the thing. What this verse just said is that your role is to explain to them, is to show them God's wisdom. Like, are you tracking with that? Like, your role is not to get saved so that you can go to heaven someday. Your role is to drop the story wall and to live out your faith because people who are watching you that you don't even know, and you're teaching them, man, how to walk in power, how to walk in unity in the gospel. Like you're showing this to them every time. Like you're teaching them either this or you're teaching them something else. Now, here's what happens. It's like when you begin to live like this, you bet. Like the schools, the government, they will start looking at you and they will say to us, they will like, how do you get along? Like how, how do you get along? How is the African-American and the Hispanic and the Caucasian and the Greek and the Jew? Like, how do y'all get along? And here's how we respond. Because we are a church built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ being the cornerstone. And because of that, man, we walk in a way that you don't know. And they will say to you, show me how. Like, this is how it works. But man, let me tell you, we got to take steps that way. Like, we got to start taking steps that way. And I'm like, man, this thing has wrecked me. And it's why the last verse is this. He's like, man, it's in Jesus and through faith in him, man, that we play this thing out. Like, it's not a, it's not a faith that just like says, oh, thanks for saving me. It's a faith going, dude, you knew my name before the foundations of the earth were laid. You called me according to your purpose for your plan. 
I am called to live out my faith because angels and demons are watching me and I'm teaching them how. I can well blow your mind. And that's why Paul says, do not weep for me in prison. I've got a much bigger picture going on here. They can give me the 30 minus one lashes a thousand times. I get bit by a snake. I'll still preach the gospel. You can put me in prison, man. Give me a Bible. I'll sing until somebody comes to know Christ. Like that's how he rolled. Like he walked in another realm. And man, here's what I would say. Like here, here's where it's leaning on me, on me. It's like, although it's wrecked me. And sometimes I'm like, all week I'm like, Lord, like how do we even get back? Man, like he revealed two things to me that I think we're moving that direction. For those of you in the room who are being discipled, man, you know what people of peace are. People of peace explode past the walls. People of peace are people in our lives, man, that the Lord's knit our hearts with. Believer or unbeliever that we invite to walk with us. It goes on past the church. We've seen this play out, man. He reminded of us this on Wednesday. Because as a staff, man, we're just like, we're wrestling through this. So I'm going to let you watch a video of a guy that you'll never know. You may never meet him. But man, he was a person of peace for a certain guy in this church, man, and he walked with him. And the Lord blew up in his life, and now he's been sent off. So let's watch this video together. I got hooked up with New City Church through the bike ministry that you guys did last, uh, last Christmas. Um, just was working at a local bike shop and loved wrenching on bikes and got a phone call from, from somebody over here and, and asked to partner with you guys. And I was in a men's group uh, at the church that I attend, and and uh, just just typical small group type stuff, you know. There was, uh, I was just kind of a social club, just kind of a gathering of guys, which was good, you know. We would hang out and and uh, just get together as as the men of the church and and kind of kind of love on one another and things like that. But there was no there was no challenge afterwards, you know. I was tired of of empty accountability. I was tired of empty, you know. Um, hey, how are you? You know. Well, well, I've got this going on, and and it was like you could see the lights turn off, you know. And and then at the end of the conversation, it was always a, I'll pray for you, you know. And I've said that before. I've been in that position, you know. And I can't tell you the countless times that somebody's been laying out their life to me and they've been like, you know, what what do I do about this? And I'm like, I'll pray for you, you know. Probably 50% of the time, I walked away from that, said a quick prayer and forgot about it. And the other 50% of the time, honestly, walked away from it and didn't even pray about it. Come January, I found myself... Uh, sitting over lunch, just talking about discipleship, talking about you know how how the gospel really moves, um, and and was I was itching, man, I was itching for something, and then and then that that invite came, and and I I got asked to you know to to pray about being in a D group and things like that, and moved down the road a, a month or two into the summer, you know, and and my wife and I are young and married, and found out we were we were pregnant, which is a huge blessing. We're we're less than two weeks away from from having this little girl, you know, and. And uh, and I just start stressing, man, and, and I don't know what it's about, and and uh, bring it to the table, and we walk through it, and, and it was about trust, you know, it boiled down to trust, and and it was basically to the point where I know what I need to do tithing wise, I know that that everything that I have is the Lord's, you know, and 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 it it got to the point where at the end of the month, if we had twenty bucks left, we'd drop it and tithe. If if it was a good month and we had fifty bucks a month. Fifty bucks left at the end of the month, we would drop it in the in the bucket as it passed. It was not giving out of a cheerful heart, and it was not having anything close to do with you know the first fruits, the first ten percent of of what he had already given me. You know what wasn't even mine. And one of the guys in in my D group was he just he's like, "Do you have two dollars?" I said, "Nope." You know I didn't even have two dollars. 
and he pulls a $20 bill out of his, out of his, uh, out of his wallet, and he hands it across the table, and he says, that's yours. I don't want it back. You know, this isn't for a lesson. That's yours. He's like, when you've got it, give me $2 back. That's it. That's all he said about it, and it just, it just clicked, you know, and so after that, went home, wrote up a plan, talked to my wife, and, and since then, you know, twice a month, um, on our paydays, pre-tax, we figure up what, uh, what 10% of that is. In the last three weeks of December, uh, my wife cleans houses um, for a company that she doesn't make very much money doing it, but in one week, uh, she made about $450 in tips um, from the ladies that she cleans for. And so, you know, then the next week, I get a phone call from management at our apartment complex, like, hey, is this Greg Moore? I said, yeah. In apartment 306? Yeah. And she said, I just wanted to, wanted to call you and let you know somebody, uh, somebody came in and paid for your rent for the month of January. Like, God has ordained my steps. You know, God knows what he's doing, what doors he's open, what he's working on. And I just need to abide and tune into that, you know. And so took the whole month of December and, and really abided and, and uh, made this ridiculous plan. My wife and I got rid of our TV, packed it up, and, and put it in storage for the month of December. Uh, put our Christmas tree up right there in the middle of the living room. And, and you know, the, the couple of hours we used to spend each night watching TV or, or watching a movie or whatever, we took that and intentionally uh, would dig into the, to Scripture um, or play a little music together. We're both a little musically inclined or or just spend time in prayer, but really just throughout the month of December really just made, made Christ the reason for, for why we're doing what we're doing, you know, and I was in this discipling relationship, um, and it was great, and I was learning stuff, and I was walking through moments, but man, when I really took it to heart to just abide, um, and just to really, really give everything over to God, and, and just, you know, just humble myself before Him, and, and, seek after him, actively seek after him, both in my life and in my marriage, um, just completely, completely changed everything, changed the whole game. The things that the Lord has, has done, uh, I cannot attribute it, attribute to myself, uh, to my D group leader, anything like that, man. God is so faithful. God is so faithful. Yeah. Yeah, and so, man, you watch him. You'll never meet him. But he's your brother, none the same. And this is how this thing works. It's like, man, it's how the gospel moves, man. You, you find people in your lives who your heart gets knit with, man, and you invite them in, and you get a white-hot faith together, and you send them back out. I know this guy's story because I know that he just got released to go disciple in his home church. And I know that for the guy, it was a hard, hard day. They'd walked together for 18 months, every week. So they let him go. So he could go do the same. He could learn the Lord's faithfulness through the process of abiding. So that's one way that I see. The other thing that I've asked, I've asked the worship band to play some music in Spanish today. And here's why. Like, there's a, there's, a ton, there's, a, there's a small group of Hispanic people that come here. I am not throwing them a bone. I am being obedient to what the Lord has called me to do today. I don't know what it means tomorrow. But I know this. I can no longer keep building soaring walls. Like, if it's going to build a wall that separates me from my believer and friends, then I've got to stop building it. Like, why else did Jesus play, pray the Lord's Prayer? 
He said, our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. May your kingdom come and your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. And I'm like, why do we not do that? Like, how come are we so so dead set on what we want? Man, when the Lord has given us so much, I'm like, man, Lord, if we just do what you want, I know, man, there's always pain involved. But I also know, man, that we always see your glory in it. And so, like, man, it's, it's what I want to do with my life. I'm like, if I see it in here, let's give it a shot. Like, what does it look like for the rest of the world to really look at us and say, how do you do that? Man, and when we do, we say, dude, there's a cornerstone, and his name is Jesus Christ. Let me introduce you to him. Where everyone in the room is leading someone to Christ because they want really what we got for real instead of just trying to get them to come someplace on a Sunday afternoon. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, holy is your name. May your kingdom come and your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, Lord, as you have so graciously forgiven us. Allow us not to hold a debt against our brother. God, and lead us not into temptation as we are carriers of your gospel. But Lord, you ordain every step. Father, deliver us from all evil so that death can no longer be our Savior. The cross of Jesus Christ becomes our Savior. When we look at that, and we no longer call unclean what the Lord has made clean. And everyone in the house said...